Hi humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, onto the episode. Yay, we're here. Good morning, Lauren and Adam. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? This morning I've been just feeling really good, feeling really connected and really grateful for mm. this time with you. I went took my dog for a walk and mm. listened to a good portion of your episode with my friend Sophia. Oh yeah. And um, so just made me fall in love with both of you. Adam, I just love the man that you are. I think you would really connect to my husband. Oh, I would love to meet yeah. him sometime. Maybe I, we'll, maybe we'll do a double podcast where we talk Ooh. to both of you sometime. Yeah. I would absolutely love that. Back in the day, like four years ago, we had a podcast called Sexy Tuxedo Jesus. Oh, cute. I like that. Bring it back. Please. I need, I I need whatever the graphic art was for that. I know. Actually, it was uh, what was inspired. It's like I was in Italy and there was like this really handsome Santa Claus like figure. Almost like if Jesus was like in his 60s or 70s, like yeah. in a tuxedo. I'm like, that's my God. <laughs> oh my God. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Morgan Day Cecil. Um, she is a believer, a wife, a mama, a lover of Jesus, and sexy vacations. <laughs> she helps women who feel some kind of connection to the Holy Spirit, and she helps them find freedom and wholeness in the deepest layers of their body and their mind and their soul so that they can experience love and pleasure to the full in the bedroom and beyond. Her superpower is separating women from their old shame of religious conditioning and giving them their sexy and their sacred back. It starts by hearing a new story of how it could be. Morgan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Lauren and Adam, for having me. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. Thank you for being here. We're so glad you're here today and um, can't wait to hear from you. And for those who don't exactly know who you are, can you give us a little bit of your background? Yes, I would love to. And I will um, preface this by saying I am a four on the Enneagram. Yes, so this four. may sound like a deep soul dive. I'm really not great at just the history, you know, just oh, the timeline. It's okay. I'm a five wing four and Adam's a four. So you're in good company. Oh, yes, my heart. Okay. So, you know, what feels like the most like genuine and honest way to like just tell my story briefly is that I came into this world like wanting two things. I wanted a life of romance and I wanted a life of adventure those two things mm-hmm. i wanted more than anything else yes. at all and um my journey here on this planet has been about awakening rediscovering unpacking um and owning what those two words really mean to me and and how i get to live them and so i was a girl who grew up in you know in a 
fairly wealthy suburban neighborhood. And I was really aware of a deep sense of not belonging. Like both my family, we were kind of like the oddballs. My dad was an inventor. He was an entrepreneur. And so um, early on, I I saw um, we did things differently and that it was safe to do things differently. Mm. And my dad was a man who um, was really creative. He thought outside the box and he did not care what other people thought of him. Mm. And so, wow. <laughs> you know, well, in the, yeah, the city, the little town I grew up in, would say most of the families were kind of like climbing the corporate ladder. Like my dad was there, like just like creating the ladder as he went along. Like he was just like, <laughs> it was like a very sketchy ladder, but we were, <laughs> we were just like hobnobbing it together. And then my mom, like she was, um, she suffered depression and anxiety, but she really had a love for the underdog and the people who um, were excluded. And so one of the um, just really profound memories of growing up is that when in my childhood years, we took in a man who was dying of AIDS and, and she really took him in, like in a time in the 90s where everyone was terrified mm. of the AIDS epidemic and people with AIDS. And he was a gay man that was a friend of hers and had nowhere else to be. So he lived in our home and died in our home. And, and so I love my mom for that. Like she was a woman of few words. She's still around, but she, um, she has her own healing to do. And, but she really, um, she showed me not to be afraid of the other or what society says is um, scary or bad or wrong, that yeah. there is dignity and sacredness in all human beings. And so I didn't grow up in a religious home at all, but I personally felt a deep connection to the sacred. Mm. And my relationship to God was a very whimsical, imaginative um, world for me, where it was like the moon and unicorns and fairies. And I felt very much like the natural world was alive for me, like mm -hmm. it sparkled with beauty and, and so on one side, I was really connected to uh, the earth and creation. On the other side, I just loved glamour. I loved Marilyn Monroe. I loved how like sexy and playful she was. And yeah. so in my room growing up, I had like Bob Marley like quotes and then Marilyn Monroe posters. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Good balance of life there. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there was a freedom I felt in my own body. I was a gymnast and a dancer. And so that gave me this connection to my body on one level where I was really, really, that's how I expressed myself. That's how I felt through the world. Um, but then on the other hand, it was a place of comparison and fear and not enoughness and um, really, you know, being in that trap as a young woman in my teen and early 20s of, Oh, eating disordered eating, poor body image, all of that. Uh, so I had to go through a journey of redeeming our relationship with my own body. Yeah. But I would say, like in the in my room, when I think back to my childhood, 
I think of my bedroom as like a real safe place where mm-hmm. I could be all of who I am. And there was dancing and there was singing and there was art. And in, in my teen years, I would like smoke weed by myself and I just loved it. Like It was just <laughs> like this safe sanctuary. Yeah. And I would say that is what I've wanted. What I've wanted my whole life is just a safe refuge to be all of who I am. And yeah. that is what I give to women and that is what my mission is to give to women is a safe place where they can be all of who they are and so they can reclaim the parts of themselves that family society culture has dismissed Mm. or disregarded or disempowered and they can come back into wholeness through this real celebration and playfulness and love yeah i was gonna say the word that like comes to my head when i i'm picturing all of this and and a lot of this i can relate to um is just the word playful because yes. it's just not, it's just something we're just not encouraged to, to embrace, you know, at the age of like, I think I was, I'm trying to think, uh, I think I was around the age of nine or 10. And that was when, you know, I started hearing the messages like, you know, act your age, grow up, be, you know, be mm. quiet, like all this stuff. And I had, so I, uh, I have two younger siblings. And so mm-hmm. I kind of was like the leader of them. And I kind of was, I don't know, when I was with yeah. them, we were just yeah. always in our imaginary world. And I remember when I first started hearing these messages of like that I was starting to get rambunctious, but like they were okay being rambunctious. Yeah. It's like I started, I started getting a lot more like, I don't know, serious and just, mm-hmm. I just, started cutting off. And also I started puberty, like when I was around that age, I started when I was really young, like nine, I think. And, um, and so all that started kind of happening at the same time. And then, you know, purity messages and, um, yeah, that's just interesting Mm -hmm. because that's something that I feel like I'm constantly trying and navigating, trying to get that back into my life is just that playfulness, which I love the sun and I love like, dancing and being silly and like that to me is like my spirituality in a sense mm-hmm. um so anyway so I didn't I didn't mean to interrupt you but like I just I love know, that I you love said it. the word playful and because that's the word that like throughout your Instagram and throughout like your messages that's just the thing that like comes through to me um personally thank you so much for saying that because it really has been a, a journey for me to be um to show up in that way, like in public. And so one thing I like I want also to say about my childhood is that it was very split. Like the freedom that I felt when I was alone did not translate to the freedom I felt even when I was with my own family. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. not at school. Like I felt divided. Like there was a, a real aliveness when I was listening to music or alone in my room. And then I would shut down and there was like this real sense of like it was not safe. Mm. to be playful. It was not safe to be fully alive when I entered into the world out there. And so my adult life has been learning how to bridge the mm. truth on the inside and really allow that to shine forth on the outside. Like the inner and the outer can match. Yeah. And it was that split that hurt me so it would cause me to spend more than a decade in depression because I did not know how mm. to really live in that integrated whole way where the inside and the outside match. Mm. So what, what happened? Like what taught you? What was it? How do you do it? You know, I have so many questions yeah. about that. Like, yeah. what was the thing that like, I don't know, woke you up to, hey, I, I need to bridge this gap. Like, I, was it your depression? Was it 
something somebody said. Um, yeah, I'm just curious. What yeah. woke you up to that? There was so many breadcrumbs along the way. And I will say it was desire that led me through it. And so one of the things that I teach and preach is we need to trust what lights us up because it's the things that light us up, our deepest desire that leads us home. Yeah. And so my desire was for freedom. If I was going to live this life of true romance and meaningful adventure, I needed to be free. Mm. But because I was so divided between the inside and the outside, I didn't know what freedom was. I mean, yeah. it's one thing to be free in the privacy of your own room and space, but it's another thing to be free out there because that's what it takes, you know, to show up as who we are in all the spaces. That's how we manifest and create the life that we really want. And so it was a journey for me and the, the, the real points the moments that we came through pain you know the one of the biggest markers was becoming a single mom mm. and so I uh, this was in my 20s and I you know I was a lover of learning I was a lover of wisdom and so I was in school to get my master's degree in eastern philosophy my undergrad was in western philosophy and I just ate up all of like the Greeks and the um, German idealists like Hegel and Kant. Mm -hmm. I just loved learning. And then I wanted the balance. So I went to get my master's degree in Eastern philosophy and read all the great texts from everything from the Kama Sutra to the Tao Te Ching to the I Ching to the Mahabharata. Like I read all the Eastern classics. And it was really like this, from that time in my life, like I was really alive on the inside, but like still had so many self-destructive patterns that I did not know. These were how I coped with mm -hmm. depression. Yeah. Um, when I was 15, uh, I was raped by two boys who had brought me to Young Life. And that's a whole story when this is really why I am called to speak at the intersection of spirituality and sexuality, because mm -hmm. at that age, I felt disqualified from God's love. And I felt like it was because my fault, like I was mm -hmm. this evil seductress that I didn't mm -hmm. grow up in the church. And these boys were, um, were good. And somehow like it was me and my bad that caused them to make this decision. And it took me 15 years before I could even own the fact that it was rape. It just felt so shameful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even do the healing work. So especially um, because I, the world does see playful and sees that as yeah. being this temptress of sorts and it's like yeah you you just you yeah. hear that narrative and so it's hard Me to break too. out of that thinking because it's, yeah. it's almost easier to deal with the pain that's like is caused or mm -hmm. trauma that has happened it's easier to like look in the mirror and be like it's your fault because you're yeah. right there you're with you mm -hmm. and you can't get rid of you and it's yes. it's almost easier I mean obviously so very damaging and then it's like oh, it opens up a whole nother level of pain when you when you do realize pain and healing, obviously, when you realize that it, it wasn't your fault and it's not your yeah. fault. Um, yeah. So part of my story of that healing um, was this relationship with Christ that I didn't begin to really have until I was 30. I mean, there was a mystery. I would say my whole life I was in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, just I knew, I knew the sacredness in all things. Um, and it was, like I said, I didn't grow up in the church and I always felt like on the outside, like I know I'm an outlier and that's part of what makes me so powerful as a teacher and as a guide is that I am an outlier and I can see things from a different perspective and I am a bridge for a lot of people. And I love that. I know that's part of my mission and purpose and I really delight in being a bridge. So for me, 
um, coming home to myself, I had to revisit that trauma and not to um, not to go back there, but just to allow myself to grieve. And it mm. was um, through like this beautiful relationship with it was a very mystical relationship with Jesus. It was a really it was like my experience, you know, not wow. not what I was taught, not what anyone put on me. This was me. no one could take this away. It was my experience with him. Mm. And um, and then um, through a community of people that were safe and that really said, no, that was not right. Like, we're not going to let you move on. Like, there is grief that we need to feel. And they really taught me that I it's okay to grieve because I kind of like put my big girl panties on. I was like, yeah. hey, shit happens to everybody. Yep. You know, just move on. Like, be a big girl about it. Like, and I never, ever processed the pain and what that did. Like, that was a severance of my innocence. That was... Mm-hmm. That was, I lost something that moment. And I went into like this, uh, you know, in a, in a way into into hell, into this dark place of shame and feeling disqualified from God's love and protection. Mm-hmm. And that's when I began on antidepressants. And I was, because, you know, shortly after that, I was just so, so dark. And my mom did not know how to help me. And so the only thing she knew was, uh, is get on Prozac. And so from the time I was 15 until the time I had my son, I was on some form of antidepressants. But all the while, I was like, this isn't me. You know, like, mm. I know that, um, you know, there's so much to the brain and I'm fascinated by neuroscience in the brain, but I always felt like my depression is a messenger. Like there is something underneath that that needs to be reclaimed. And so a, a moment like where, where that journey began to really becoming like the bridge for myself, the inner and the outer, was when I gave birth to my son mm-hmm. and, and said, you know, I didn't know how to value myself enough to do this healing work for myself, but I love him so much that I will do this scary healing work inside me for him. Wow, because while I can, yeah, right? Like, it's like, I didn't value myself or consider myself worthy of that healing and wholeness. But I knew that like, I could live with my consequences and my bad choices, but I would not allow him like to suffer those consequences. And at the time I was drinking, I was sleeping with all sorts of men and I was doing drugs and I, it was all a form of punishment to self. So when he came into my world, it was like, I don't know what this journey of healing is going to look like, but I want mm. freedom, not just for me, but for him. Wow, that's huge. Well, I mean, and I thank you, first of all, for sharing yeah. all of that with us. Um, I, I would love to like dig into a little bit more of uh, when you were when you were first talking to us, it seems like everything alludes to this space of of losing um independence and and losing that sense of self a little bit like you were talking a lot of your story was was based in your childhood and was based in those formative years did you feel Mm -hmm. like you were able to develop your independence and still hold on to your innocence while you were living in that childhood space Mm -hmm. because i feel like a lot of people um they they grow up in a space where they feel like they're codependent and they don't really have space to exercise who they are as an individual. And, and it doesn't sound like that was the case for you. Did, did you find a lot of independence in your childhood? It's a, it's the both and, you know, and this is the mystery. And cause it's like, um, one story I could tell in my childhood is like, yes, here's all the ways that I was allowed independence and was encouraged. And I would say like, that was like, 
the voice of my dad in my life. Yeah. And then on um, the, the flip side was here are all the ways that I was shut down and shamed and dismissed for who I was. Mm. And so part of what um, I've learned through my own healing process and also through working with so many women is that when we are children, our first mirrors are our mothers. And we literally look to them to and and start mirroring them, their their gaze, their mannerisms, their what the energy that comes out of their eyes. And when we don't feel seen yeah. in by our own mothers, or when our mothers, like because of their own trauma or pain, don't have the capacity to see us in our fullness. It's like this like house of mirrors. We're constantly looking for the reflection of what, who am I, mm. you know? And we're looking for that approval because we are, we are relational beings. We need that reflection back. And we live in a time and place where we don't have initiated elders who have fully come into their own like wholeness, that really they own the fullness of who they are. And so yeah. they are not capable of reflecting back to us the fullness of who we are. But as children, that's who we are. We come into this world whole and we come into this world alive and we're just looking for that reflection and just saying yes it's okay to be all of who you are but if we don't see that if it's not mirrored back to us mm -hmm. we start shutting down and we get the message subconsciously that it just isn't okay to be all of who you are that some of these things have to go or to be um, minimized or to be tampered down and so i would say there were moments in my life um where I did and I had the the freedom to be self-expressed or explore that. And there was a hunger in me for self-discovery. There was a hunger in me for personal growth. Um, but whenever I went to demonstrate that fullness, mm -hmm. to actually show up in the world as big as I am, there was, I was met with condemnation. And so it was like this confusion, like, Yes, be all you can be, but oh my gosh, and now now that you are, like yeah. that's too much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So then when you when you rooted into that spirituality that was outside of a structured religion, was that was that like a space for you then to be able to to feed into that? Because that's so interesting that you were able to find spirituality mm -hmm. without religion. Yeah, like I I there has been like this voice in my heart. Like I I would say my soul and I are like really close. And, and so the mystery is like this, it's a mystery to me, but I would say I've been very good at honoring my heart and honoring these mysterious calls. Like in my early twenties, I was called to just put my finger on a map. Um, I really had a vision of like learning Italian and watching the sunrise. Yeah. From, <laughs> and so I found the most Easternly point in Italy, which is a <laughs> tiny town in Puglia. And I just said, I'm going there. Wow. And so my soul you has always guided me. <laughs> <laughs> I did way before, like <laughs> seconds before. Yes. Um, but I would say like, I just had this deep sense of like, yes, I can trust this voice. And so it was always a very whimsical voice. It always came from this like magical, like, what if we learned Italian while watching yes. the sunrise from, you know, and I was just like, yes, why not? And my dad would say, he encouraged that sense of adventure and travel. He loved travel. He loved adventure. And he instilled that passion in me. Yeah. And so in my early 20s on myself, I just was like, here I am. I'm going off to this tiny little town. I have no idea how to speak Italian. I'm not even sure how to get there. But it was like a plane ride, a train ride, <laughs> a bus. And yes. here I was. <laughs> and that began this um, 
this real sense. And whenever I travel, and this is why I love leading retreats and love bringing women outside of their norm. Because for me, whenever I traveled, I was allowed and could hear my voice in a way that I could not hear it necessarily yeah. in the at home. Like I needed to step away and, and enter into this other flow where other things were possible. Travel for me always was like such a gift to say like, look, it doesn't have to be like it is in your tiny little suburban high school. That's not the only way to be a human or to engage in this world. Like, look at this big, beautiful world out here. There's all this there's all these possibilities of what you can eat and what you can wear and how you can live and so i was so grateful for the experiences of travel that expanded my sense of what's possible Mm -hmm. as a way to just be a human being and um it i felt very much connected to god and the sacred in those like solo adventures yeah because they tie so much romanticism into everything once you get outside of the space of this like structured clinical religious I don't know, political space, you know, once you get out into a place that's been around a lot longer than like the United States of America, you get into a place where, where spirituality is romanticized and food is romanticized and connection to self Mm -hmm. and to others is, is just everything is this. uh, The connection is visceral. Like that's like my, my senses came alive. Like whenever I would travel, it's like, the, the the smells and the taste and the colors, all of it brought me to life. And like yeah. this is a practice now that I teach my students is how to come alive by delighting in the senses. Yes. So that's right. We return to the present moment through this beauty, through the portals of our five senses. And it's right there available to each of us. Yeah. And that, that sensuality is innocence. Yes. It is innocence. Yes, it is. I love that. It Anyhow. I, <laughs> oh my God, it's good preach, Adam. Yes, sensuality is innocence. And that's the exact opposite message that we've been taught. But sensuality is innocence. I love it. I'm, I, uh, I'm hearing you guys and I'm, I totally am relating, but I see Adam literally just like buzzing right now. <laughs> Us fours, I tell you. I know, that's what I was Well, Adam, say. like you will appreciate this. Can I share this with you? And I think you're going to love it too, Lauren. Like yeah, in awesome. my study, like, so the Holy Spirit has like always just been with me. Like I've been reading like poetry and philosophy and then when I started reading the Bible the Holy Spirit was right there and one of the things that gripped me was from Proverbs and it was the voice of Sophia so Sophia is wisdom and it's from Proverbs 8 and it's her voice her telling her story and she says that the Lord created me at the beginning of his work the first of his acts of old and then she says I was daily filled with delight rejoicing before him always and for me delight was like pay attention to this word and so I did a whole etymological study of what delight is and you would be so fascinated to learn like it is it means to draw away to draw aside and why that is so significant is the word to like seduct Mm. seductress also means to draw aside so there is a connection between delight and seduction that has been lost and this is part of the, the power that I bring back to women is that when you reclaim playfulness, when you reclaim delight in your life, not only are you reclaiming the holy, but you're reclaiming the sexy as well. Because yeah. you learn how to be the seductress of your own life, like to seduce yourself back to wholeness. And then that is love that spreads to everyone. That is freedom that spreads to everyone. You're 
partner first and foremost is blessed yes. by it. So I love so much that connection between sensuality, our senses, delight, seduction. It's all right there. Wow. And the fact that the sacred feminine like space is held for wisdom and for sensuality and delight in the Bible, where you don't get very much reference to wisdom no, and all of that with women. It's just, that's just, yeah. I, that's really amazing. Yeah, it's like that word Sophia surfaces repeatedly in the Christian and Hebrew scriptures, yet her identity remains a mystery. And I think that's part of it. Mm. She's not meant to be pinned down. Everyone always asks me, like, what is Sophia? Who is Sophia? What is the Sophia experience or Sophia retreats <laughs> about? And all I can say is this is wisdom and it belongs to you. And so your feminine wholeness, your wholeness or masculine wholeness. This is going to be unique to you, but it lives inside of you. And this is wisdom. So I love that it's a mystery and that she refuses to be pinned down. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were even talking about that, I my mind went to even when Jesus, it, you know, the Bible would talk about when Jesus would wake up early and go by himself. And you said, what was it? The to what was the actual like definition of? Oh, to draw away. To draw to draw away. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes. Draw away. And like I think that's kind of what the Bible says. Like he got away yeah. from the rest of everybody else. And mm-hmm. you know, I kinda like to think that that was Jesus finding delight as well. Yes. Um, yes. and so yeah, anyway, I just I, I absolutely love that. love that. And I saw, you know, all over your Instagram and all over your your blog and your website things about Sophia. And I, I was so interested and I love how you you went through and you made like the archetypes and painted it mm-hmm. in a way that's like easy for people to, to digest, but also you are so open with, um, you said screenshot this, you know, it was like your notes, yeah. right. And, yeah. and not yeah. everybody, that's not common. I feel like so many people keep a lot of wisdom or knowledge or magic to themselves because they, mm. they want it to be a form of um, product in a sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand, we understand yeah. the, the, this world we live in, there's, you know, making a living and doing things that we do. Um, yeah. We're both musicians. So we understand that whole right. world, but the, your heart comes through because you give so much of your mm-hmm. magic to yeah. other people. And it's just so, it's so amazing and encouraging. And I learn, I've learned so much, you know, I've, I have stalked so many <laughs> people who are <laughs> kind of in the same line. We just had a conversation with mm. Madison Headland. Um, yes, we, her. yeah, she's like incredible. Um, yeah, so she powerful. blew my mind in ways that <laughs> I'm still like not recovering, but I'm yeah. still like <laughs> I've been talking all week about it. Yeah. So. Um, yes. But, she is so powerful. I, but I keep, I always keep coming back to your, your account and who you are and like just your, the magic that you essentially mm put out there um, for the world. And, and something that you, you've mentioned is um, your, what was it? Your dangerous, you called it your dangerous proposal. Yes. And that was, <laughs> and you said to, you said to post one thing a day uh, that causes some people in your circle to raise their eyebrows and to wonder about you. And yes. um, yeah. And, and, and aim for the, Oh no, she didn't instead of the like, <laughs> likes and stuff. And I absolutely, I love yeah. that because that's something like I, I do, I don't do on a, I, I wouldn't say I would do that on a daily basis, which would be a, like a fun, interesting challenge to, to do. Um, 
but I, I know I do try to do that frequently because that's the only way, you know, we came from a conservative background and that was kind of Mm -hmm. my, it's kind of my way to, um, bridge the gap of like what I, who I was, what was to now. So I just kind Mm -hmm. of like, I don't know. I I love that you do that. Is that something that you are still doing or is that like, do you do that in seasons? Do you do that? Oh man. Lord. Like I remember like the, when I first got that, like kind of whisper, I was not even 21 years old and I was studying abroad in Australia and I was just, I was studying a lot of philosophy. I had just learned how to meditate. I had a guru and it was like all about like this, um, coming alive, awakening. And I was like, how do we continue this process of awakening throughout our whole life? Because it's so easy to fall into these habits and to, and to fall into this identity. Like, this is who I am. I can't possibly be anything more. Like, I can't change. Like, this is just who I am. And I was, like, terrified of that. You know, you know, I wasn't even 21 yet, but I was, like, looking at my future. I'm like, how do I prevent this from happening? Mm. And I was like, you know what? Like, I need to do something every single day that surprises me. And that's the goal. And not every day it happens, but you know what? Like, that's the goal. Like, if I go too long and I'm just like, life is stale, I can predict every single hour of my day. Like, I need to shake things up. And for me, like, the, um, it's for me. It's not necessarily for other people, but it's for me because I want a sense of, like, there's always more spaciousness. There's always more expansion. Like, I never have to get bored. Like, there is so much like to learn and to grow and to surprise myself. Like how much delight, like when I, when things come out of my mouth and I like, wasn't expecting it, like I delight so much. I just mm-hmm. laugh so hard. I'm like, I never thought I would say that <laughs> or think that thought. Like, I love that. I love that surprising myself. And so for me, it's like, it really is connected to this core desire for freedom yeah. and deciding, you know, I will no longer um, betray myself in order to belong. You know, that was a decision like that I made. And so that's how I show up and, and try to show up every single day on Instagram is that I, if I'm going to share something, like let it be the most true thing to me and let the cards fall where they may. Yeah. And it's okay if I'm not like, if I'm still discovering this, if I'm mm, still like on yes. the pressing up against, like I don't have the answers here. I haven't arrived at any conclusion, but this is something mm-hmm. I'm exploring. This is something that I'm learning. And you know, this is what is bringing me life. And for me, it's a, an act of claiming who I am when I share it and not to be afraid of the um, what other people may think or not yeah. think. <laughs> That's something that Lauren has taught me so much about in the last like season of life, I guess. It hasn't been anything mm-hmm. like recent, but like over the last like six months or whatever, just through this whole mm-hmm. deconstruction is allowing yourself the space to be wrong. <laughs> be wrong. First yeah. of all, like yes. uh, allow you yourself to challenge what you actually do believe because nobody else is going to challenge what you believe the way that you can challenge yourself because you can internalize it and you can think through it and you can you can Wrestle. find your own space and press into yourself and your beliefs. Yeah. And the only person that's ever going to completely accept you for who you are in this world is yourself. And the yeah. only person that's going to keep challenging you in ways that that you can actually digest is is your internal self and and I think yeah. you can take things in from other people but mm-hmm. you have to be able to give yourself the space to to figure out what it is that you believe in try things on you know yeah. that's another way I kind yeah. of talk about it. just trying things on you know there's yeah. no harm in that this is your life nobody's nobody's forcing you like we right. we create these rules that we think exists and they don't like they're not real mm-hmm. we're never stuck yeah. and that's something I've 
I am always like relearning and bringing back to the surface mm-hmm. to my own soul, brain, heart. Yeah. Um, and I try to like communicate that to others, to my friends, those who are like close to me and strangers. I don't, I don't care, <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm like, you're, right? ne- you're not stuck. You're never stuck. Mm-hmm. Like even from the things that you said and believed yesterday and the things that right. you, you did, the actions that you took, like you're not stuck. Today is a new day. This moment is a new moment. And yeah, try things on, see if it's, see if it suits you. And then like the next yes. day, you know, just take it as it comes. And yeah. yeah. I think that comes from a place of real security. Like when you know that you're safe, because you know how to create that sense of safety within your own body, within your own soul. And you, and your faith is a part of this. Like when you know you are loved, when you know you are unconditionally loved for who you are, then it opens up all this possibility because it's okay to quote unquote fail. It's not the end of the world to make mistakes. And that's part of, I think, my superpower is I'm not afraid to look the fool. Yeah. I'm not afraid to go out in front and just be like, look, wow, I learned a lot from that. Like, <laughs> I just don't see it at the end of the day, like in my life. Like, I'm not going to regret um, being too much or doing too much. I'm going to regret the things that I held back on, that I didn't, I didn't experience, that I didn't let myself experience. And I really do believe in grace and mercy. Like this is like, all we can do is trust our, what lights us up. This is this life within us and we need to trust it because it's propelling us somewhere. And yes, there's lessons to learn along the way. And there's so much that I have learned from just going for it, from being bodacious, from being like bold. And I learned so much quicker that way, instead of like waiting for, to have all the answers, to have all my I's and T's, you know, dotted and crossed, like, no, just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talk a lot about freedom and that's still my, so I was once engaged to somebody Mm -hmm. um, else that wasn't Adam. And um, (laughs) I broke off that engagement and that whole relationship. It was a long relationship. Um, And right after that, um, a lot of people, you know, did come up to me. Obviously it was sad and so much was going on in my life. It was like basically turned upside down, but there was a freedom that I felt that I had mm-hmm. never experienced before. And I think part of it was, yes, the relationship was not meant to be. It was somewhat toxic, yeah. all that stuff. Um, but also I broke the rules um, mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. was very public for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was out on the road and um, touring, but then also we had just sent out save the dates to lots of people. So anyway, um, and we ever since then, like literally then my passcode on my phone has been free. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like 3733. And um, mm-hmm. it's just something that like I'm, I'm seeking and something I've been seeking. And that's been the word that's been like kind of in front of me that has kind of caused or helped. I, I don't want to say caused, but it's helped propel my deconstruction. Um, because it's something that like I did not have back in my yeah. old ways, I guess, and the the more conservative religious lifestyle that I was once kind of living. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing that you said is that freedom, freedom's not hard. And once you own that you want it, and yeah. that's something that I didn't know that I needed or wanted was freedom. I didn't, I really mm-hmm. didn't even know what I wasn't free from until right. I did. And, you know, you, you talked about trauma, how it convinces us it, it's not safe um, to be our yeah. fullest 
freest, most authentic self. And yeah. then when you don't feel safe to be seen in our, in our wholeness, we, we don't feel free to enjoy love or life to the yeah. fullest. And do you think like that's because obviously that's something that I, I deal with and I feel that. Um, do you feel like mm-hmm. there's an underlying feeling that happiness is somehow unsafe? Yes, I absolutely. I, I, for women, the women that I coach, you, there is um, the common theme, and I've gone through this myself. I still bump up against it. It's a part of this deep, deep conditioning, and it's in our unconscious. So it's not just our personal history, the capital T or lower case T trauma that happened to us in our life, but it's a part of the ancestral trauma. It's a part of the collective trauma in the collective unconscious about in womanhood and i also like don't just i don't just limit it to womanhood because we've all been affected man and woman have been shut down in some ways if we do not look sound do exactly how this one particular box is like set up for here's how a man should be here's how a woman should be if we don't fit into those boxes we are not free to be who we are. And so it's not just women that experience this, it's men too. Mm. It's men who don't fall into the category of this toxic masculinity. It's men who actually have a real genius when it comes to their emotional intelligence, vulnerability. They have the strength to be vulnerable and soft. They can sit and hold space and they're not valued in our culture. Mm. And that is, that is also damaging and traumatizing to the men. Like my husband, like he has so much value and so much like gift in this world. He has taught me so much. Like I would not be who I am without him. Mm. And, and so it is not just women who have suffered this um, basically sense of worthlessness. It is also um, men too. When we don't fit these um, stereotypical, like this is what you should look like as a man. This is what you should look like as a woman. For those of us who are outside that very small box, we experience this worthlessness. And it is that which I aim to help women reclaim. They are worth. Their, their worthiness, their power. And I do believe that when a woman comes home to herself in that way, like she sets her partner free too, to do that work, to, to accept parts of himself or herself that she, maybe she hasn't had the time or space to do. But in sacred relationship, long-term partnership, it is an amazingly powerful container for healing. Like we get this like ability to help each other heal from the childhood wounds. It is so precious and so challenging. And, you know, sex is that this is why sex is a piece of it. Cause this is like a, a real ground where we can work through. Um, is it safe to experience pleasure? Is it safe to receive? Is it safe to embody myself fully in that pleasure and bliss and ecstasy like for women this is wow. the the journey of like thriving like yes actually it is safe you can believe that you can be fully expressed in your pleasure and your bliss you can receive more and more and more good and you won't be shamed for it you won't yeah. be condemned for it but that is even like, the clients that i work with and it, they have they know their husband is safe they know their partner is a safe place it's their best friend, him or her, their best friend, Mm. but they are still dealing within their own nervous system, their own unconscious mind, this deep fear that if I allow myself to really experience happiness, pleasure, fulfillment, then um, the other shoe will drop. 
something bad will happen. I will be punished. It mm-hmm. is dangerous. And so the good news is within such a relatively short amount of time, these women get free. Yeah. And they know, they, they learn the tools, they have the breakthroughs, and it continues because there's always more and more. It's so exciting. Like even last night, my husband and I were practicing a sacred ritual called sex magic, <laughs> which was, we can get into in another podcast. Yeah, but it's sure. really a, a practice of paying such close attention and working with pleasure and turn on as a way to liberate the parts of yourself that are shut down, that yeah. do hold back around pleasure and goodness and receiving. Um, And we can help each other through that. And it is like not for the faint of heart. Like it Mm -hmm. is scary territory, but we have the tools and I can teach women the tools to create that safe space where it's like the new frontier. I call it the wild, wild west (laughs) because it feels like it, like in this space of like up leveling, like up leveling what I can do, like both um, as a woman, as a leader, as a business, like all of it, like it is terrifying to expand in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. But um, there are practices and tools that equip us. Like, so one of the things I, I talk about is like expanding our capacity to love and be loved. Mm. Like we can do that. Like there are tools and techniques to develop and expand our capacity to love and be loved. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about, love. I, I think that idea of being able to sit in space and practice sex magic is like, I, I think that's so healing because that's a space where you can allow each other the room to live um, in a space that is free from toxic masculinity, toxic yes. femininity, places where you allow a bubble in a in a moment in time to exist where you don't have to think about those things because coming from my perspective even I I can tend to lean almost too heavy into my femininity every once in a while because I want mm-hmm. to push so far away from toxic masculinity yeah, that 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 can like still that. be mm-hmm. such a burden on people I think mm-hmm. in that kind of space where you don't allow yourself to find balance because you want to be so far away from things that have hurt yep. people and so mm-hmm. to be able to uh, uh, offer each other a space where you can live in freedom, even if it's mm-hmm. just for a minute, like yeah. that can be incredibly healing. It's so powerful. And it's a space where everything belongs. Tears belong. Yeah. Grief belongs. And we can actually make love and experience sadness and move that sadness through it. So it no longer stays stuck in the deep places, repressing like the fullness of who we are, but we actually through pleasure can unlock and like literally set ourselves free from these buried emotions that have become our set points, mm. like anxiety, sadness, um, disappointment, fear. We can use the power of our life force energy, which is this sexual energy, to start breaking that up. These places in us that, that have gotten frozen and stuck mm-hmm. actually get moved and set free through our own life force energy. energy. And this is part of what I what makes us creators and made in the image of God, that we can create new life, not just like a baby in a mother's womb, but new life for ourselves yes. and each other. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm like soaking it all in. I'm thinking <laughs> I've, there's so many things that I feel like after this, you know, episode, after we are done with this, Adam and I are going to sit down, we're going to have a conversation, like a good yeah. healing conversation. There's just mm-hmm. like so much that I'm taking in. Cause I have, I have, um, some, yeah, I guess I have some trauma when it comes to like the labels and the things within marriage because sexuality yeah. and magic and 
spirituality has always been something that's come easily to me um, mm-hmm. outside of ever including anybody else. And so yeah. for me, my work is learning how, learning that I'm safe to embrace someone else into that magic and into yes. that sensuality. And it's something that's like, I think has come from messages that I heard, whether it was purity culture, or whether it was like, you know, seeing things like within my family or otherwise of just, you know, the how husbands and wives are meant to work together and the the pressure that there is within sexuality in a marriage within the Christian bubble, um, that that's something that I'm personally like, I'm still and I'm constantly still kind of working through because like you were talking mm-hmm. about the playfulness that's always yeah. been easy for me by myself. And, you know, when yeah. I retreated from the world and when I retreated from everybody mm-hmm. um, yeah. and kind of got in this bubble where I was like, wow, I, and I would love myself. And I'm like, I like who I am. And I love the sunshine and dancing yeah. and singing. And it's, it was always hard for me to kind of ask somebody else into that. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I'm just always so like inspired by the things that like you're talking about. And even, you know, you, you talk about how to embrace sexuality and sensuality, even when you're not having sex. And you talk yeah. about that because there's a lot of singles out there too, or people who've chosen to not have sex, mm-hmm. you know, with their partner even. And yeah, so and- yeah, so go ahead and like, is there, you talk about the ways to embrace like those things, whether it's food or whether it's connection with other people. And I, yeah, I, I love that because it's something that once I get there, I'm able to expand. Um, yeah. So go ahead and just go ahead and expand a little bit on that. So I talk about sexuality and spirituality, and I really want to empower women to own both in their own ways. And so the first thing we have to do is redefine the terms because the label, these sexuality and spirituality, it's, we don't even know what we're talking about. Like, cause in our culture, sexuality is really through the lens of this toxic mas- masculinity where it's all about the penetrative experience of intercourse. Mm-hmm. And that's what sex is. And it is so limited because really sexuality is so much greater than that. And in, in our culture, spirituality is, um, really gets kind of folded into this idea of a religious path or you have to believe this or that certain doctrine in order to be truly spiritual and and spiritual in the right ways. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things I do with my clients is I help them redefine sexuality and spirituality. And so it's authentic to them. And how I do it is through a really simple process and it's so powerful and all your listeners can go do this this today, this week through journaling. And at the end of the day, spirituality is about your deepest values so really doing the work of what is it that i deeply value like it doesn't matter what time or place and culture or history i was born in like this is my soul like what my soul wants to embody as a value and whether that's inclusiveness or playfulness or mystery or beauty like get really really clear on what it is that you value that is your spirituality Mm. you don't even have to talk about it this is what like you know if you were mute, if you were blind, you could still live this to the fullest and people would get who you are and they would sense God through you because of the way you wholeheartedly embodied your values. And that is so rare in this world. It doesn't matter what religious path you're walking. It is so rare to meet a human being that absolutely embodies what they value. And so the more 
we can get clear what it is that our soul is here to embody, the spiritual values that we deeply care about. That's what we make it our mission to embody. And then on the sexuality side, who cares about, does not even go there to the act of intercourse yet. Like sexuality is your life force. Mm. It's connected to your deepest desires. Like the things that you really want, the things that light you up. And it's everything from what is labeled material. Like I really want a pair of red bottom heels mm. <laughs> <laughs> to like the, you know, like the, the, I want freedom, you know, it's everything and anything. And what Tantra has taught me is that we do not judge a desire. Yeah. We allow that desire to, to lead us forward. And so whether it's, or whether or not it's a material desire or a basic desire, like, oh my God, I just desire a big glass of water right now. Mm. But to start paying attention to what it is that you really, really want and not being afraid to own that. And that is the work that takes some time. It takes a good mentor. It takes the processes because owning your, what you want, owning your desires takes so much courage and confidence because a lot of times women come to me and they don't even know how to connect to it is what they truly want because they've been so um, separated from that part of themselves. They've been so shamed for their sexuality, their desires, that they don't even know how to get back there. But I can help them get back there. And when they do that, it's about claiming it. Like, I am a woman who values dot, dot, dot. I am a woman who desires dot, dot, dot. When yeah. you have those two things clear, you are unstoppable. You are so clear about who you are and what you're here to embody and what you're after that you become magnetic and you no longer have to struggle or you no longer have to hustle. It's about living in alignment. And yes, like it's not easy. There are people who will judge you. There are like my husband and I were talking about this last night. Like we've lost relationships because of the way that we pursued fullness and freedom. Mm. Yeah, It's too much for some people. And, and so, but I, I really encourage people to first and foremost, redefine spirituality and sexuality for themselves. And this may be a process that takes some time because there's some unpacking to do the layers of conditioning, what has been put on you and really getting to the place of knowing this is my soul. This is who she is mm -hmm. and really owning that. And then seeking ways to honor that. How do we like really delight in our senses? How do we say yes to, yes, I believe I'm made for this. Like one of the things that I teach is to live in supreme agreement with love, which is a practice, not something we perfect, but God for me is love. And to live in supreme agreement with love means to be a big yes to my own desires, to dare to believe that these are in me for a reason that Wow, like even the things that I, I might judge and I'm terrified to own, like for me, the, the, um, where I'm bumping up against, like this is my own outer limit is owning success, mm. owning like my power, owning yeah. my influence. Like I, and so it gives me a heart for women that like are terrified to own their sexuality and their beauty and their fullness and their passion. Cause I feel that same fear in other areas. And so, but it doesn't stop me. This is the work. It's like, Oh, this is where it gets exciting. Like I'm bumping up on the outer edges of my comfort zone, yeah. but can I dare to believe that God is here, hmm. that I am, he approves of this, even though they may not, they is whoever we like have in our mind. It's hmm. like, it's the prison guards, right? It's yeah. the people that are keeping us small. It's like, it's amorphous they <laughs> in our subconscious. Yeah. And even if they don't approve, can I approve of myself because I trust that God is in it? Yeah. I love that. 
I love that. I'm obsessed. <laughs> There's um, so many things that are rolling around in my head right now. But yeah. if we get into them right now in this podcast, I it's, think it would take too long. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a, a second episode. And this yeah. next time we'll have your husband on and it'll be it'll be. A oh, we would love whole that conversation. We would love that, you guys. Well, thank you so much for opening up and telling us your story. Um, mm-hmm. We definitely don't um, take it for granted, you being so mm-hmm. vulnerable and um, sharing so much of your life with us. Um, we're just so thankful and honored that you decided to be a part of our podcast in our episode today. Mm-hmm. It was such a joy. Thank you for what you guys are doing together. It's super powerful that you guys are doing this together. Yeah. Mm. So don't underestimate that. I'm just grateful for you both and really honored that you sought me out to be here with you. Oh, we're so thankful. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye.